My name is Jack McLean, I'm the host, and the Get Better Plan is a concept I learned during my time at the Hawthorne Football Club. I work closely with the academy players, and I've been implementing similar methods to our Prepare Like a Pro athletes. I want to share this concept with you, our podcast listener. So you might be thinking, how does the Get Better Plan work? Well, each month we review and reflect each athlete's development and work out what is the bottleneck of their physical development, i.e. what is the one thing that is really letting down them to play at their best potential week after week. From there, we pick one lifestyle focus, for example, getting to sleep by 10 p.m., five days a week, and a physical focus, for example, bringing max effort to the key lifts in their gym program. From there, each athlete join me live every week at 5 p.m. Sundays, and I present on a certain topic. The athletes journal their learnings and implementations and reflect each week on what worked and what did for their get better plan. These presentations are recorded for the athletes that missed the presentation, and I wanna share some of the content to you, our wider podcast community. If you're new to the podcast, every week I interview leaders in the AFL and high performance industries live on our YouTube channel. We drop an inspiring and educational podcast every Tuesday and Friday. And on Sundays, I host a live Instagram Q&A answering all questions that were sent to us by a direct message or email through to us. So if you're struggling with increasing your muscle mass, lowering your 2K time trial, or perhaps struggling with improving your 20 meter speed time, send through your questions to our Instagram or email us at jack at preparelikepro.com. Let's get into today's episode. We'll go straight into the presentation. I'm excited about this one. Uh, it's a topic that um, I've been passionate about for some time now, and that's strength training for football. Um, I believe that the gym can definitely be a, a place that can help your performance, but also it can be a place if it's not done well, uh, either by the coach or the athlete, that it can hinder your performance and, and increase injuries um, or reduce your, your speed and power. So <clears throat> I think there is a, a right way, so to speak, for football, uh, and there's definitely some things you want to try and avoid. Um, so we'll focus on the things that you you want to be doing um, and um, feel free to yeah, jump in and ask any questions along the way. I'm happy to um, ask any questions that you have, uh, but welcome. We'll br- I'll break up the presentation into three different sections. So we'll first we'll focus on development. Um, this is typically the area that I'll work with. So guys that are still developing, um, they're um, usually under the age of 25 and anywhere from the age of sort of 14 to sort of 25 years old. Um, so still growing into their body um, and still at the hormonal stage and their maturation where um, you can be getting faster, stronger and fitter. Jordan's come in. Welcome, Jordan. Number two, we'll, we'll move on to progressive overload, which I think is one of the most important principles to understand um, and how it changes from off-season, pre-season and season, the different focus areas. And then the third one, adaptation, so how the body responds to, to training loads. So we'll start off with development. Um, so I believe that from a, a strength point of view, it does defer to conditioning um, in that we want to take into the account the training age. Um, usually footballers, whether they um, just come into the AFL system, so first and second year players or those that are playing in NAB League, you've, you've been running for some time and you've been exposed to conditioning for some time, um, just in the way that um, sort of work in the Australian culture, either playing sport or PE classes, um, you're generally more exposed to conditioning type work um, than you are in the gym. 
Um, so therefore, when dealing with players, especially the first year boys, um, I'd, I'd try and work out how long they've been lifting for and it, and it would change. Some players um, that weren't in the NAB league system had, had never done weights or done very little and some had been training um, for quite some time, up to six years, so their training age was quite sound um, and they were quite mature with their body and, and understanding what to do in the gym um, and even those as well that were potentially mature um, or recruited as a mature recruit uh, or didn't do year 12 in their final draft year. Um, they spent more time in the weights room and on their athlete development. Um, so there's a big gap between um, your age. Uh, I wouldn't say that we sort of program for their maturation age. Um, how I program for an 18-year-old very much depends on how many years you've spent um, lifting in the gym, more important than probably your actual age. Um, most cases will focus on the basics, so fundamentally focusing on how you move is the number one. Um, and we spend a lot of time on on that, even the guys that are drafted into the club. Um, it's focusing on um, how well you squat, press, pull, um, twist, um, and then all, all your different planes of motion as well, so frontal plane, sagittal plane, and transverse plane. Um, so it's really important to go through all those different types of movement patterns. Obviously, football is a 360-degree um, multi-plane sport, so you want to be able to, um, pick ground balls up at high speed. So you want to have good range of motion through your hips and ankles to do that. Um, then you also want to be able to jump really high uh, off one leg, off two legs, uh, land well, and, and, and then attack the next contest. So um, all these different types of impacts that we do on the field, um, we want to try and make sure that we're hitting the whole body and building the body up to handle those, but we're not necessarily specifically trying to mimic those movement patterns and what I mean by that is you know we're not going to attach a cable or a, or a weight to the foot and and load up your king style uh, and thinking that that's going to strengthen your quad which will then transfer into your ability to kick longer so we don't really look at strength training as a specific um a specific as specific as like skill training conditioning is um, so we leave the, the skills and then to some point we leave the conditioning for football specifics um, but where we see the place for the gym is very much around um, building your body up to be able to handle the rigors of the game, so injury prevention, and then also give you, if your strength is you're a dynamic player, um, be able to strengthen those strengths, so strengthen your one wood to be able to get a competitive edge over your athletes. Um, welcome, Donny. Um, so, yeah, that's an important thing to take into account on when doing the movement patterns um, and, and doing your lifting in the gym it's not necessarily trying to specifically replicate the game of football. Um, we're just understanding the demands of the game and strengthening those muscles that we feel um, need to be strong from a competitive point of view, but also need to be resilient to uh, handle the game, um, particularly because football is a, such a long competitive season. So building your body up to be able to handle the game week after week. Just trying to let Jake in. Yeah. Welcome Jake. Um, so from a program point of view, this is just a simple pyramid um, to sort of uh, prioritise um, strength work in the gym and, and gym work in the gym. So number one, we want to make sure that when we're developing an athlete's um, training age, so they're, they're new to the gym, we're improving their stability, which is their ability to be able to control their own body weight. Um, and we're increasing their ability to move in those different planes that I mentioned earlier. So movement quality and stability 
are really, really important. Um, we want to make sure before we load up a movement by adding a dumbbell, a barbell, um, or a kettlebell, we want to make sure the movement is sound, so you're moving really well, and as well as you're stable, um, so you have good understanding and able to coordinate um, your whole body to work um, in that plane of motion. So you know, we don't want to uh, exacerbate poor movement quality by adding more weight on the bar. Um, so that's a good thing to take into account um, before um, adding more weight. Make sure that you feel confident that movement. You've been doing it for a couple of weeks and you know that that movement um, is at a good level. If you're not sure, um, obviously with the nature at the moment with COVID, we're not doing a lot of face-to-face -face coaching, but what you can do with Team Builder is upload a video. So you can take a video from your phone, upload it onto Team Builder and that exercise, and that will go through to your individual journal. And then I can critique that and give you some feedback on how you can be doing that better move, that movement better, um, or you may be doing that really well, and that way you've got confidence to be able to progress that movement. Once you've got a good sound stability and movement, we'll then focus on strength. And the reason that strength um, trumps power and speed in your early athletic development, um, by an athlete focusing on improving how much they can lift either in a single leg movement like a Bulgarian split squat or a box squat, double leg movement, um, it, think of it like your ceiling for your um, power and your speed. So the stronger the athlete is, um, the better able they're able to reach their uh, genetic potential of their speed and power. So that's why we'll focus more on um, your strength work and, and spending um, more repetitions in the gym revolved around improving strength, stability and movement over speed and power. The other side of it is that speed and power is all about intensity. So if we're hitting um, power and speed too frequently throughout the week and your nervous system and muscles aren't recovered, um, and therefore you're not able to do them at a, above 90% of your, of your best, um, then you're not going to be able to um, get a power and speed stimulus on the body. So less is more when it comes to power and speed um, and intensity and quality is really the key. You want to make sure if you're sprinting and you want to improve your sprinting and get a real sprinting stimulus put on the body, you need to be moving upwards of 90% of your maximum velocity. If you're doing um, velocity-based training in the gym, which is just basically moving light things really, really fast, um, like a med ball chest throw, um, if you're just going through the motions and doing that in a cir circuit where you're fatigued, um, you're not going to be increasing your ability to fend an opponent off your maximal power on the field. Um, so when you're focusing on improving your speed and power, um, you want to make sure that you're moving at high intensity and therefore Rest period is really, really important. Um, rest period throughout the session, but also rest between sessions. And typically you'll see, for me, I'll put um, the speed and power work more often than not once a week, all on one day. So you hit that, um, that component of your training on that one day. You've got the same intent mentally on that day of moving things really fast, both on the field in the gym and, you, and your body has seven days recovery between that training session, which is a good way to go about it. Sometimes in the off-season, if your training age is quite sound and you're, you're stable, you're strong uh, and you're moving really well, um, then I might increase your speed and power days to twice a week because um, I feel that your body can handle it. Um, and we're no longer focusing on so much improving your maximum strength. Um, we've got that to a good point. We're now focusing on the pointy end of the pyramid um, and therefore um, for you doing an extra speed and power session, um, you'll get better return out of that. Um, but for majority of you guys, um, early on in your, in your, um, athletic development, 
um, you'll be spending more time on movement, stability and strength. And um, hopefully this slide helps you understand or my, my explanation on why that's important. Testing. Um, so the philosophy that I've sort of been developed through my mentors and my, my time at, at Box Hill and Hawthorne, the philosophies around testing is important because what you measure, you generally improve. So there's definitely a place for it. Um, and we'll use a whole heap of different technology um, and I'll use some of that that I can um, with you guys in this current format where we're doing things remotely. Um, so something like a Nord board you won't have exposure to unless you seek that yourself um, and organise that yourself. Um, if you want to do that, um, feel free to reach out and we can organise um, a session. Um, but we'll, we'll typically do this with the guys that have either had a hamstring strain in the past um, and they'll do some form of screening every couple of weeks to see how they're going in season. Um, and that way it's a good way to monitor their training loads. Um, so if your maximum strength, which you can see in the blue and orange lines, uh, uh, row there where you've got your 536 newtons for the left and 554 newtons for the right, um, this is someone doing a Nordic test. Um, and ultimately we want to have symmetry between both legs. Um, the research shows if you have more than 15% deficit between legs, um, you're at a high risk of straining a hamstring on that weaker side. But we also want to be able to have a good ability to be able to um, generate high newtons, which is your strength. So hamstrings that are strong in something like a Nordic where you're um, lengthening the hamstrings. So the hamstrings are on stretch in this test. So long and strong hamstrings have been known and well-researched to be able to handle um, high-intensity efforts on a football field. So you're less likely to break down and get a soft tissue injury if you're, you've got long and strong hamstrings um, and they're well balanced between left and right limbs. So we'll use a Nord board to measure that. Um, there's also a lot of other tests that we do, which are just simply moving max repetitions like a single leg calf raise that we can do. Um, and for some of you guys, I would have done that before. A bench adduction is another exercise for your groin. So assessing your groin strength. Um, we can do max single leg um, squats to, to uh, assess your single leg stability and control. Um, so there's other things that you can do to assess how your body is um, and how well balanced you are and how much, how well your movement and stability is on that bottom of the pyramid, that foundation that I mentioned earlier. Um, we can assess that through testing, um, but also we can see that in training as well. So if I'm progressing the complexity of your um, exercises, then that's a sign that you're moving really well and you're now able to um, do a single leg squat while maybe doing a banded power off press, which is adding more core stability to the exercise. So um, in training, you can also um, assess if an athlete's progressing in, in that way for testing. And we don't really feel like we need to do that every month um, by looking at your team builder and the repetitions you're putting in and, and the weight that you're lifting on the bar that's also feedback that you're progressing. Uh, and I'll look at that each couple of weeks um, just to see how you're progressing through the program. Uh, and that gives me feedback on whether you're, you're tracking well or maybe we need to change your program or, or change your lifestyle because you're not tracking as well as um, we would like. So you might be thinking if you're um, in that early stage of training where maybe you've only just started lifting in the gym with me or you've only been lifting for the last couple of years, um, what should your focus be? Um, hopefully after these last couple of slides um, and my explanations, you, you're focusing on quality of movement and really getting a good understanding of those basic movement patterns um, and understanding that quality movement and ingraining good quality movement over years is going to put you in good stead, not just for performance, 
um, to give you competitive advantage over your opponents, but also um, you're less likely to get injuries. Um, and then the other thing that we want to chip away at is your fundamental strength. How, how heavy can you lift um, with your movement patterns? So pressing movements like bench press, pulling movements like pro bench pull, um, chin-ups, um, dips, push-ups, um, your single leg exercises like a Bulgarian split squat. Um, so how well are we doing those exercises, your single leg RDL? So we want to make sure that um, when we're think, talking about fundamental strength for a footballer, it's not just your powerlifting movements like Olympic lifting, like a clean. It's not just your, your back squat and your bench press. It's also how well, how heavy are you lifting with your single leg work and, and how does that compare to your, your weaker side? Um, so how, how much symmetry do you have between limbs um, is really important. And that's what comes into account when we're talking about fundamental strength. So this is an exercise. So if you've been doing your training journal um, and reflecting on um, your journey so far on Prepare Like a Pro program, then this can be a good thing to, a good exercise for you to do. Um, all these numbers I've come up with, so they're my coaching experience working with footballers at all different levels. Um, and this is where I feel um, it's one thing that I look at from a programming point of view, um, just in terms of focus areas. So if there's an area that's lacking, it might be upper body, we'll put more energy into that, particularly in the off season. Um, it might be that you're really strong in the gym, um, but your functionality in transferring that into more um, different planes of movement and single leg type work, that stability stuff I've talked about um, is poor, then that then we'll focus more on the functional component um, so this is a good thing, good exercise for you to do. So grab out your training journal if you've, if you've been doing that. If you haven't, just grab a piece of paper and, and a pen and note down some areas um, how, in terms of a measure. How are you going with your lower body? Like where do you rank? Are you a general pop because your, your max double leg squat is less than your body weight? Um, are you at a community level because it's equal body weight? So you're able to um, squat 80 kilos with a back squat and you weigh 80 kilos. Um, or you're at 120 kilos and above, so you're in a state level, uh, or are you at an AFL level of your strength? And if you're an AFL level with your strength, but you're finding that your power and speed is lacking, that's an area that you want to focus on, you're in a perfect opportunity now because you've got that fundamental strength and assuming that you're moving well for us to really attack you at that pointy end of the period, that speed and power. So this is typically what we're working out. Once an athlete has been lifting for a few years and they get themselves to a point where they're, lower body and upper body is strong enough to be able to handle an AFL game, which for lower body is around two times your body weight. And for AFL, it's usually 1.5 times your, your body weight for upper body. Um, then we'll start to shift that focus more towards your speed and power. And that's the process that we want to try and go through. If you're working towards those areas, these benchmarks, um, then that's why we'll spend more time and energy and more reps in the gym on your strength and your movement quality. And you sort of want to trust that process, be patient. And then once you get to this point, then focus more on the speed and power. Um, so go through all every row and just rank yourself how you, how you measure up in these different types of tests. I'll give you guys a, a minute to go through that. 20 seconds, guys. If you need more time, just yell out, unmute yourself and let me know. I'm happy to spend more time on this. But I think it's really important just to get a bit of a, an idea of where you sit. All right, so that's from a development point of view. We'll Thank you so much for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro Get Better Plan playlist. If you enjoyed this episode and want access to the whole presentation, you can join our academy for as little as $5 per month. 
click the link in our show notes or search for Prepare Like a Pro in the Patreon app. I really appreciate your support. To recommend a guest for a future episode or to discuss advertising your brand on the Prepare Like a Pro platform, email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.